Hello, I'm Dr Mike Rutherford, a Dento Legal Advisor at Dental Protection based in Brisbane. Welcome to Respites, a series of podcasts produced exclusively for members of Dental Protection. Respites looks at the key dental legal risks and issues affecting dental practitioners across Australia and provides helpful advice and guidance on how to steer clear of them, leaving you free to provide safe and high quality dental care for your patients. In this edition, we focus on I have received a complaint and we're going to explore what you should do when you do receive a complaint. I'd like to introduce my colleague, Dr. Annalene Weston. And Annalene, where did it go wrong? Where did I go wrong? Thanks, Mike. And that's a great question and probably the question we first ask ourselves when we do receive a complaint because it's completely natural to feel that you have failed when you've received a complaint, particularly if, in your opinion, things had actually gone quite well. So the first thing you need to do when you receive that complaint is take a big, deep breath and override those initial quite unhelpful, defensive or sometimes even aggressive emotions that you're feeling and objectively view that complaint. I often say this, but it can be really helpful to try and reframe that complaint and consider it as being a gift. Because it is in a sense, because at least you know the patient's unhappy about you because they've told you. And I think that's preferable really to finding out through a critical third party, such as a dental board or a lawyer. Now, regarding where you've gone wrong, when you've got that objective hat on, go through the treatment records and see what you can remember about that appointment. Have a look at the patient's complaint. It can be really helpful to shake the wheat from the chaff and take out any emotion because people are incredibly emotional during a complaint process and they sometimes say some pretty unpleasant and very unnecessary things about us. So what I want you to do is try and put your blinkers onto those and just look down to the core of the complaint. Now naturally it can be really helpful to seek advice and assistance to do this and it's really one of the major resources that dental protection offer an impartial and experienced person to help you review a complaint and assess its merits. Now regarding where you went wrong, you actually may not have gone wrong at all. What you need to be mindful of is that patients are often predisposed to dislike coming to the dentist due to previous experiences. Now, these fears, while often unfounded, include a fear of cost, and often dentistry itself is a distress purchase for many, many people. So sometimes then, when a patient attends, if you give them the advice they don't want to hear, or if they've had an unpleasant experience, and let's be honest, an extraction wouldn't be considered to be a fun day out for anyone, it's inevitable, particularly if they're riddled with guilt or anger or despair, that that patient is going to turn around and attack. And naturally, the person that they're going to attack, Mike, is you. And so if they do, what do I do now? Well, that really depends on the nature of the complaint and how it's received. If the complaint has been received over the desk to a staff member, then it's important that that staff member finds out exactly what the patient wants and that they appropriately accept the patient's expectations. For example, if the patient wants a refund, the staff member needs to let the patient know that they will need to discuss this with you, as you are the treating practitioner and that the patient will hear back from the practice within however many working days. Otherwise, if the patient's checking their phone or email every five minutes, that only serves to compound their anger and frustration and can cause the patient to preemptively escalate a complaint through impatience when really it could have been very easily settled at a low level. Now remember, it's helpful if the person taking the call or receiving the complaint at the front desk makes sure that they document the patient's name, concerns, 
desired outcome and phone number so that all those necessary details can be passed on. I think we can all imagine how many complaints have been escalated through a simple administrative error. If the complaint's received in writing, whether that be via an email or letter, the first thing a practice member needs to do is acknowledge the receipt of the complaint. Now, this can be done by an email or a phone call to acknowledge the complaint's been received. You need to reassure that patient that it's being assessed and advise them that they will receive a response. And when? You need to set a reasonable time frame for yourself because the last thing you want to do is not meet the expectation you set because, again, it's only going to compound that patient's dissatisfaction. Then collect together all the relevant information, the patient's records, the complaint, and have a look, as I advised a moment ago. But this is also the moment where you seek advice from us, of course. Sometimes as well, I think it's really helpful to talk to a peer and just have that opportunity to talk it through and see what they can see. It's really helpful to reach out to our friends and colleagues at difficult times. Now, all patient complaints, even those which seem silly and unreasonable, deserve a response. And that response needs to be measured and appropriate. And we're really here to help with that. The most important thing is not to brush a complaint under the carpet and ignore it to see if it will go away, because most times it won't. It will pop up on social media as a negative Google review. It may pop up in front of the dental board or pop up in the form of a solicitor's letter. So let's deal with it now at low level to stop it from escalating. Okay, Annalene. So if I am going to engage, what can I do to make it better? We get asked this a lot because the natural response for many practitioners once they get over the shock of having received the complaint is to want to smooth the waters over and resolve the patient's concerns. Many of us just can't bear the thought that we've harmed a patient or that the patient is unhappy or angry with us because it really erodes our sense of self. We are healthcare professionals. We're there to help and care for patients. We don't want to upset them. And when patients perceive us as being a dodgy snake weasel, secondhand car salesperson, snake oil salesperson, or whatever it is they say, and they perceive that we've intentionally set out to hurt or maim them, then that can really hurt. It really hurts because it hits at the core of who we are, because it's very much who we are not. It depends on what the patient's complaint is asking for, but definitely reach out to the patient, definitely seek advice, and definitely don't ignore it. Okay, so are there any things that would make it worse? Definitely. Ignoring the complaint absolutely makes it worse. I've mentioned this several times, but I can't emphasize enough that ignoring a complaint is an absolute recipe for disaster. Patients have the right to be heard. They want to be heard. And if you deny them that, they will seek another avenue to make their voice heard. Patients can go from being like a little bit cranky to being bloodthirsty for an emotional pound of flesh in a heartbeat if they feel they're being ignored, dismissed or overlooked. Putting the patient down or becoming too focused on the right of the matter, because to be honest, the majority of complaints that we see have very little basis or merit in them at all. The patient's perception is often flawed through their own mirror of bias and has completely no bearing and no basis in reality. Pointing that out to the patient, pointing out that they're wrong, and perhaps implying they're a little bit silly, or reminding them of how many medical degrees you have, is not only rude, but it's incredibly unhelpful, because it will cause a fight-or-flight response in the patient, and trust me, you're not going to scare them off and make them run away from you. They are going to dig their heels in, and they are going to come at you with both barrels, and they're going to escalate the complaint. So being dismissive, ignoring the complaint, being patronizing, being overbearing, or trying to overwhelm that patient with your rightness or your righteousness isn't actually going to help. 
The only way to deal with any patient that's dissatisfied is compassion, to deal with them with kindness and sincerity. And sometimes if the patient is being ridiculous and unreasonable or making personal comments or being mean, it's really, really hard to do, but dig deep because you are the professional and I know that with our support, you can do this. Okay, so how do I protect myself from something similar in the future? I think it's good to look to the future, isn't it? The harsh reality is that everybody receives complaints. Back when I graduated in 1999, last century, we used to be told that everybody would receive one complaint in their career. Now, the stats reflect that on average, one in every 10 dental practitioners receives a complaint annually. And these complaints can take the form of a whole course of patient complaints avenues, really. Letters to the dental board, solicitor's letters, complaints to Medicare, a plethora of avenues are available now for patients to complain down. So now, when we present to our graduating students, we tell them to expect at least one complaint every 10 years for their career, one significant complaint. So if you're intending on practicing for 40 40 to 50 years, that's a reasonable number of significant complaints you're going to have to head off in that time. Naturally, being an honest, transparent and kind practitioner and practicing self-care so you're not burnt out, cranky, unhelpful and uncompassionate will help to avoid complaints. Developing a rapport with the patient to generate a bucket of goodwill so when something does go wrong, because unfortunately, Mike, in the practice of dentistry, Things just sometimes don't go to plan. If you have this reservoir of goodwill with the patient to draw on and put out any potential fires when they do arise, all these things are really helpful. But probably the best advice I can give to you is to be prepared for a complaint. What do I mean by that? Well, make sure that if a complaint comes in, everybody knows what to do. One of the things that can happen that can be really unhelpful for everybody is if a complaint comes in and nobody knows what to do because they've never received one before, so everybody starts running around the practice like a headless chicken and really unhelpfully doing all the things not to do and not doing the things that need to be done. So the patient just forms the perspective that you're actually a bunch of unprofessional buffoons. So we need to make sure that everybody knows the complaints policy and that everybody has the capacity or ability to be the first responder if they receive a complaint. Now, in order to do that, you actually need to have a complaints policy and there are some resources on the Dental Protection webpage to help you draft this. Everyone needs to know how to deal with that upset patient and how to appropriately set their expectations about the time frame in which they're going to hear from the practice with a response. So the patient needs to know how they're going to hear from the practice too. It could be appropriate to have a meeting. It could be appropriate to manage the complaint through correspondence, and this will vary from time to time depending on the nature and type of the complaint. But the important thing is that your first responder actually knows what to do and doesn't flap about making the whole thing worse and inadvertently escalating the situation with an already sensitized patient. Then, manage that complaint well so it doesn't escalate and the patient doesn't move forwards and disparage you to your community, potentially sensitizing other patients to make a complaint about you. Finally, something that can be helpful, although it feels a little counterintuitive, is to keep a complaint file. Now, that complaint file may sit empty for many years, or it may only have one complaint in it. But when you do receive complaints, keep them all together and take the time to review them. I don't know, maybe with a cup of tea in a quiet space, and not just before you do something really difficult or traumatic, because obviously the last thing you want to do is actually distress yourself. 
But taking the time to review them and really looking at them enables you to see if there is some commonality in these complaints. Do you keep getting complaints because you're running late? Or are you getting complaints because your patients think you charge too much, which generally means they didn't understand your fees? If you can recognize a pattern of complaints, then you can reflect on your own practice and perhaps see what you can do to better manage patient expectations. Because if you recognize a pattern of complaints then perhaps reflect on your own practice, you can see what you can do to better manage patient expectations and prevent these complaints from coming in altogether. Thank you, Annalene, for that relevant and helpful content. And thank you for listening, colleagues. We hope that this podcast was helpful to you and look forward to speaking with you again in the future. Goodbye.